uh, around you or in front of you, you'll find a Bible. You can turn to 1 John chapter 4. We'll get there uh, eventually, uh, but we want you to have it, 1 John chapter 4. We are finishing this morning the series uh, called Identity Theft, and what we've been exploring uh, is the ways that the enemy tries to lie or the ways that uh, we tend to think about ourselves that are not true, are not consistent with what God says about those that he has created in his image and brought into his family. And so uh, this is our final message, and there were a few things that I had hoped to say last week, so I tried to uh, push them into this message this morning, so hopefully we can get to it all. Um, But I I, I want us to... uh, pray and just ask for the revelation of God's word to our heart. That's what we're asking for. Uh, I thank God for uh, preachers and teachers, but at the end of the day, the spirit of God has something he wants to say to you this morning. I'm just going to pray that God would do that uh, among us. He would show us uh, what he wants to say to us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we're humbly coming before you and we just have a request. And that is... Uh, your helper, you, the Spirit, would come to this place to show us who you are. And not only would you show us who you are, but would you show us who we are? Would you remind us of the truth that stands over everything in the universe? Your truth is power, it's life, and no thing can overcome it. And so I'm asking God that you would impart it this morning to us. Thank you for being here. Would you awaken us? It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, I need you to be brave and bold. I'm even gonna ask for a couple of responses here, okay? Here's the question. When you were a kid, was there something that you were super afraid of? Can you remember back, like everybody thought, let's all, we we got the boogeyman under the bed. We all know about that guy, all right? We know about boogeyman under the bed. But did you have something that you were like, when you were growing up, something you were afraid of, something that kind of made you scared? Or what, what? I just need those answers. Just shout, what is that? Clowns, yeah. And maybe even still. It sounds like you're still scared of that right now. So yeah, okay. That's good. Clowns still, yes. Bigfoot, really? That's amazing. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, this is so good. Okay, what else were you scared of? Drums? You just played the drums this morning. Yeah, I see. Okay. We gotta, you might need to preach this morning. That's good. You were literally afraid of drums, and then he was our drummer this morning. That's incredible. There's a sermon somewhere in there. Yes. Yeah? What? What were they? American Girl Dolls. All right. That's, yeah, hey, that's good. Yes, I understand that. Said from a, a strong young man there. That's good. Okay, what else? A couple other things? Yes. Yes. Ever since, right? And that's how you get out of housework. That's amazing. You keep running with that, bro. You keep rolling with that. That's good. Go, yeah, right here. Bullies. Yeah, that's the, that's the classic thing. Bullies. Yeah, yeah. 
Mean people. Yeah, just afraid of mean people. That's good. Okay. Anyone, just other, like, basement thing? Yes. I <laughs> see that. That's the problem, man. You see, the shadows are the worst. Yeah, I see that. That's the problem, man. You see the wrong movie. You're messed up for the like the rest of your life. Yeah. So everybody kind of has these things that we're just we're afraid of, and I don't know for whatever reason. I don't know what it was for me. I don't know why it was for me, but I was just deathly afraid of other people's toilets. I don't know what it was. I'm not, I, I genuinely don't know. All I remember thinking is I can only go to bathroom, go to the bathroom at my house. But if, you, if, if, if I have to go and I'm in another environment, I'm having a major internal conversation, all right? Like, hey, how long can I hang on to this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I do, and I don't know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I thought it was going to eat my butt. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the deal was. I really don't. I don't know. I just know that I, I, I was afraid to go to any bathrooms that were not uh, my own. Um, everybody has fears, all right? Everybody has things that we're afraid of, and that they tend to change from time to time. But if we're thinking back to the, the scope of our lives, uh, we all tend to find something that we are afraid of or we find ourselves fearful of. And there are many things that are kind of goofy, uh, shadows and all kinds of stuff that we can think of when we were kids. But uh, many of us have stories where we were afraid or we, fear, we, have, we had fears of our fathers. Are we... we we had a real fear of a heavily manipulative mother. Or there was a, a, a family uh, person, or there were uh, friendships or experiences that took place at school, and it, and it gripped us. It's, it's one thing to talk about the boogeyman, but it's an entirely different thing to think about the fears that we often face in this life. And one of the things that we said last week is, listen, there are two specific works that are constantly aimed against God's people, keeping us from stepping into what God has for our lives, keeping us from living out the identity that God has placed on us, uh, as we've said in this series, both as sons and daughters of the Most High God, and two, as co-heirs with him, meant to rule and reign, not just in an age to come, but right now, Amen. meant to walk with him. And, and there, there are two main things that tend to come against that work that God wants to do in us, making us alive, making us free, and that is shame and fear. Shame and fear are the two things that destroy what God wants to do in our lives. It keeps us bound up, keeps us from stepping out into the reason that we were designed in the first place, meaning every person in here, if you are drawing breath right now, you are a unique creation by God for a purpose. You're not just trying to get through until you don't take any more breaths when you're 95 or 105 or whatever days you have in this life. You are much more than that. Certainly you're more than like do the school thing, get the driver's license thing, get married, have kids, uh, then retire, and then life is over with. Certainly life is more than just that. So you and I are uniquely designed by God to accomplish his purposes in this life. And in those purposes is joy. 
And in those purposes are power, and in those purposes are peace, and in those purposes are passion and all the things that we often look to Hollywood to provide for us on a TV screen. God wants to call us out and to step into ourselves. And the problem is, is we are all hindered in some way by shame or fear. And the truth is, you could see sitting in this room and be a complete atheist and the same thing be true of you. You can not believe in God and you could be completely and utterly hindered, destroyed, set back, held back in bondage to shame and fear. And so we got to last week to talk a little bit about uh, beginning to deal with shame and, and how do we do that. And so what we did is this. We defined what does it mean to actually be free? What does it mean to actually be able to live out of this identity of freedom that Christ has given to us? We talked about that, and I want to just redefine that very briefly here with us. First and foremost, freedom in Christ is the release from slavery due to guilt and shame from our past failures. And if you came in, you probably got a, a worship guide, so you got a set of notes uh, if you want to just write them down, jot notes down, you can, if it's helpful for you. But I want to remind you that, uh, in fact, uh, hey, uh, is one of, somebody here, somebody that knows the building here, that, can somebody turn on these fans? I see you guys fanning yourselves. Can somebody, yeah, inside, oh, thank you, Shane. Um, we'll get the fans going, get some air moving. Get the, all that plaid's like, it's getting up on us now. It's like a little bit, a little bit. Pastor got real with us. We were talking about the boogeyman, and all of a sudden he started getting in my soul. All right, so what we said is this, listen, freedom in Christ, first and foremost, is the release from slavery to shame and guilt from the the messes of our past, and we all have them. Don't care who you are, don't care where you come from, don't care how awesome you think you are today, we all have uh, broken pasts and places of uh, failure that we're ashamed of. And either we stay stuck and bound to our past failures, hiding in the shadows and afraid to step out, or we begin to step into what God's truth is about our, uh, about our lives. And one, one of the things that we said is, listen, I said, and we said this last week, but I, I think it's worth reiterating again. There are not enough alcoholic drinks in the world to make shame go away. There just aren't. There are not enough happy relationships on this life to make shame go away. There's not enough Netflix shows to make shame go away. There is one thing alone that makes shame go away in this life. It is when the Son of God screams freedom over you and you believe it and you step into it. This one thing. It is the blood of Jesus Christ from the cross, opening up an opportunity for us to take the weight that we carry and cast it upon him and be made like him. This is the only thing that shifts the spiritual reality of our lives. There's only one thing that removes shame. So we can keep running in a hundred different ways after a hundred different things to make it go away. But the only thing it does is when God looks you in the eyes and says, son, daughter, you are free. I took it from you. You are no longer the sum total of your past failures. This is are my son, my daughter, and I'm ready to run. All right? This is what God does. This is the only God 
who is able to come. He came in the flesh and, and paid the price for us, a price we could never pay so that we don't walk in shame anymore. It's one thing. It's the only thing. Now, the second piece of freedom is just critically important. The second piece is the freedom in Christ is the power of God to confidently take steps in his call on our lives. Let me say that again. The freedom in Christ is the power of God to confidently step into his calling on our lives, meaning this, we're no longer held back by our past failures and shame and guilt, but we are also given power to step forward to tomorrow and what God has for us. So freedom isn't just dealing with the bad stuff in the past. It's also giving us a vision and an understanding of how we begin to step into the tomorrow that God has designed for us. That's what he wants to do. Every one of us is called to step out and take risks. There are places where God is calling us to start obeying him, and we feel powerless to do it. There are places where God's saying, hey, it's time to dig in. You're not going to live this way anymore. There are places that God is wanting to call us to rise up and go, you know what? There's something I'm supposed to be a part of. There's something that I'm supposed to step into. There's a life of joy and peace and passion I'm supposed to be involved in, and I need to begin to take a step into it. God has something like that for every person that will call on his name. It's, that he's ready to release it over his people. But we cannot do it by gritting our teeth, clenching our fists, and saying, I'm going to go get this thing. Every one of us has to be a people that opens up our head and says, God, you have got to empower me to do this. Here's an area of bondage in my life or an area of disobedience in my life. I don't know how to stop it. We have to come before him and say, God, would you empower me right now? I need you to tell me who I am and give me the ability to step out of what is broken and step into what is holy, right, good, alive. That's what he wants to do. Nobody can do this by brute force strength. What I love about the truth of God's word with respect to being free is this. Listen, free people are not sinless people. I want you to hear this, all right? Free people aren't sin. There's one sinless man for all time. He took all of our sins. The rest of us are charging after him for him to change and transform us, all right? Free people aren't perfect people. They're not sinless people. But I want you to hear this. Free people are not passive or indifferent. Meaning it's one thing to say, I'm free in Christ. It's another thing to say, I'm free in Christ, and sit on the couch eating bananas and not going anywhere. <laughs> Whatever your fruit of choice is, okay? All right? <laughs> Ben's like, that... You, you probably should have rethought that, that sentence. That, that wasn't very good. Whatever it is, all right? You, you saying I'm free in Christ and sitting on the couch and not going anywhere is there's no more life in that than the life you got pulled out of by what God did for you. You understand that? Free people aren't perfect people, but they are not indifferent and they're not passive. They're ready to step into what God has for them. That's what he wants to do in us. And so listen to this, our ability to step into what God has called us to be and do has, no, has nothing to do with 
uh, our, uh, what we believe to be our talent or ability. The way that we do that is just by displaying hunger, hunger for it, meaning life. Whatever it is that God wants to do in you and through you, whatever ways that he wants to do his work of life and transformation, whatever ways that he's ready to move you forward, and whatever it is that God wants to do in you, let me tell you, it's already been purchased by the power of what Jesus did on the cross. It's already been accomplished. That victory has been accomplished for us. So the only way that we actually get to step into it is we should say, God, I'm hungry for it. I, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to move. Would you begin to do it? Displaying hunger. Uh, the way that God puts, uh, I, I love it in, in the scripture where he says, when God says in Isaiah, he's speaking to uh, his people and he says, listen, you come and buy you who have nothing. He says, come, he says, listen, you can waste your money on wine and food and all of that stuff, but I, you guys who want me, if you'll come with your hunger, bring your emptiness, listen, and I'll, I'll give you everything. But you gotta have hunger. Hunger is what is critical for the move of God over our lives. Hear this. Your ability, not an issue for him. Your perceived lack of whatever it is that you have to step out, maybe lack of power to overcome sin or lack of ability to to step into maybe some dream that you've got in your heart to do as unto the Lord, whatever that lack is, let me tell you, that's nothing to the king. The issue is, do you have hunger for it? Are you hungry and willing to move and step out for it? Are you willing to ask? Are you willing to pray a dangerous prayer? God, do with what you want with me. Hunger is the important part, right? God doesn't need mature people. He just needs hungry people, and he'll get us there. He'll get, he'll get you and I to the place where he wants to get us. He's looking for hunger. Now, uh, several years ago, a movie uh, called Amistad came out. So, I don't know if you saw it. It, it, it is a movie about um, there is a slave uh, uh, trade ship uh, full of a- uh, Africans. Literally, they're, they're stolen from their homeland. They're put on a ship, and they are Africans sold into slavery. And in this movie, the Africans rise up, and they overtake the slave ship. And so what happens is, is they get somebody to take them back to Africa, but the people double-cross them, and they end up taking them to the Americas. And when their boat is captured, there are four or five different groups that are saying they have ownership of these slaves. And so you've got the Queen of Spain working through the president saying, and this is, by the way, based on a true story. This actually happened, La Amistad. It's, a, it's a, uh, a, a, an actual slave ship that, that was actually bringing slaves that could not speak a lick of English, totally from Africa, being brought over. And the queen, is, the queen of Spain is saying, these are our slaves. And the people that were left alive on the boat saying, no, these are our slaves. And the people, there are people that, are, that were supposed to receive the slaves, so no, these are our slaves. And there are people that are fighting, and it comes to a court case. And there is uh, one faction of people saying, these people, are them, they own themselves, and they're supposed to go back home. They're not slaves, they're people. And this is the fight that's taking place in the courtroom. And they're fighting over this. And at one point in time, uh, in, and this actually happened in, in, on this boat, 50, uh, 50 slaves were just thrown overboard because they didn't have enough food to feed all the slaves, literally thrown into the sea. And they're arguing, and as a part of the, the uh, 
the trials going on, they're arguing over the weight of the ship, and the leader of the Africans is sitting, he's got chains on, he's sitting in, he's sitting in the courtroom, and again, he's a man who speaks no English, but he's, they've been in this place long enough where he's starting to, to try to understand what's taking place. None of them actually know. They can't, they can't understand the dialect. They can't understand what's going on. But he, he starts to get a sense. He knows what's going on. And it's at this moment we find ourselves in the video. If you guys will just turn your attention to the screen. at the same inventory, Captain, and I'm sorry, I, I don't see where it says this morning we threw 50 slaves overboard on May 10th or any other day. As of course, you would not. I do see that the cargo weight changed. They reduced the poundage, I'd see. That is all. It's simple, ghastly arithmetic. Well, for you, perhaps. I may need a quill and parchment and a better imagination. And what poundage do you imagine the entry may refer to, sir? A mast and sails, perhaps? It is free. Give us free. Give us us free. the defendant, but he cannot disrupt these proceedings with such a... Give us us free! If we are to have any semblance of order in this courtyard... Give us and us free! Crying Give us us free! Crying out, give us free, or anything else... That give us us free! I question this witness! Give us us free! Give us us free! something right now. You want to be free in Christ, it takes hunger. Around that side right there. It takes hunger where you say, 
I'm not going anywhere until I get freedom. Where I say, I'm hungry for freedom. I display and I show. I'm not just saying I'm free in Christ. I'm demonstrating, God, do something in me, and I'm not moving until I get it. I'm going to scream at the top of my lungs, show these chains, move these chains off of me so that I can begin to live the life that God has called me to live. But it takes us being willing to say, I'm not living in the old way anymore. God has given to me. He's taken the chains off. Why am I living bound still? What would it take? And so when we display hunger and say, God, do something, it's when God begins to move on our behalf. How forking are you to be free? For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That's what the scripture says. If Christ set you free, stand firm and say, I'm not submitting to the old way anymore. And, and every one of us is looking at an old way of living and, and God's saying, no more. There's something that God's asking you to step out in. There's a place of obedience that the Lord's calling you into. And the question is, are you willing to stand up in the middle of it all and say, God, make me free? Demonstrate the hunger. God will do the work. But he's looking for partners that are willing to say, I'm not submitting to the yoke of slavery anymore. Where is he asking us to step out and trust him? It's what he wants to accomplish in us. And so the question is this. If Christ has already purchased our freedom, then how do we begin to step into it? How do we begin to live as free people, not bound anymore? I want you to look at, uh, well, I, we'll have it up here, Romans chapter 7. So I find, so Romans chapter 7, verse 21. Is what Paul says so, says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. You ever been there? For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, meaning I, I want to just do what he's calling me to do. I want to live in the ways that the Lord has called me to live, but I see in my members, it means inside of me, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive. Again, here's the word captive captive to the law of sin that dwells inside of me. And Paul, the apostle, says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he does. So, meaning this, this is what Paul says. Here's the scenario. You have this something that God is calling you up out of, something into out of a, a, a past of brokenness and into a life of freedom. I want to live out the, this freedom that God's purchased for me, but I'm tempted to gossip or I'm tempted to judge people or I'm tempted to look at pornography or I'm tempted to manipulate my spouse to get what I want or I'm tempted to complain about my chores or I'm tempted to do a number of things, whatever's going on inside of me, and I feel shackled to continuing in a broken pattern. And the question is, how do I actually begin to step out of it? What he says is, listen, I find this law at work. Anytime I want to step into what God has for me, there's this thing inside of me. Uh, and if you're old church, if you're old school, we call it the old sin nature. If you've been around the church for a long time, it's called old sin nature. My parents, believe you me, I, when I was like six years old, I was like, dad, old sin nature. You know, I mean, I knew. All right, I knew. What, that, what, it, what, what he was talking about was this. 
There's this law at work inside of me. Until we see Jesus face to face, there's this constant law inside of us trying to kill the law of, of, of God in, in us, the law of the Spirit. And that law is this. Listen, every time you want to walk in the ways that God has life and glory and passion and power, anytime you want to do that, you want to find something drilling against you. And it's going to say, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't do that. And it's trying to make you and I captive again. So he says, how do I break out of this? I feel what wretched man I am that this thing is alive inside of me. He says, who can save me? And he goes, you know what? This is what saves me. I come back to the cross of Jesus. I come back to the gospel. I get on my face. I lift up my, whatever it is that you do, you do you. But listen to this. You get in front of the king of the universe, and I say, I come back before Jesus, and I say, I remember what you did on the cross. I remember what you made me, and I delight myself in you again. And I remember I'm not a sum total of my failures this past week. I am who you say I am. I am free. I am clean. I am holy. I am right. This is what God says about who you and I are. When he looks on you, he sees what Jesus Christ, if anyone that has confessed Jesus Christ, Lord, King, and Savior, he looks at you, he says, perfect, perfect. Perfect, 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 perfect. Every one of you, perfect in Christ. So stand up. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery and step right into what God's calling you to do. I'm not, I'm, not living, I'm not living depressed for the next month because I've failed miserably. I'm not letting my marriage crumble any more than it already has because God has purchased life and freedom for my marriage. I'm going to get on my face for my kid that's running 100 miles an hour away from Jesus, and I'm going to say, God, do a work. But listen, I'm not living bound in sadness and brokenness. I'm stepping into what God has for me. That's what I'm doing. He says, I return to the God. Listen, we, listen all we, we all want a three-part. If you'll do this, this, and this, it'll fix everything. That's what Americans want. Here's the three-step process. If you get the three-step process, everything's going to be okay. In fact, it's possible you went to church and the preacher was going, do this. If you come down front, say, get saved, shake the pastor's hand, get saved, then everything's going to be awesome. And can I tell you, most of the time when you come and say yes to Jesus Christ, it's just the beginning of the enemy going, I'm going to kill you. And you find it it's got harder when you said yes to Jesus. Before, it wasn't that hard. You just kind of do whatever you wanted to. Is, hey, life's great. I mean, my life is falling apart, but hey, it's good, right? And then you figure out you don't want to live that way anymore, and you come to Jesus, and you go, listen, I've got a better way for you, but it's not the old way. There's a new way, and you got to begin to step into it. And this is what God has for his people is listen, there's no three-step process to make this thing better. This is really about you and I getting into the nitty-gritty and saying, God, do I believe you are who you say you are and I am who you say I am more than I believe the lies that are going on in my head and in my heart and stepping into it and saying, I'm not going down this road anymore. You've called me to be obedient in this area and I don't know how to do it, but I need you to give me power to overcome. I need you to give me power to step out. I need you to give me power to show uh, to show, show yourself faithful and true in my life. And we go to war. Romans, because right after uh, Romans 7, you get Romans 8 too, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. So here, God's, Jesus is saying, listen, it's, it's ironclad, it's one. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the laws are at work, but listen, God's, 
God's purchased the victory. And so what we do is this. You know what the process is? You, it's really simple. Number one, you reject the opposing voices of the enemy. The, anything that's opposing itself to God's heart for you, meaning any whisper you hear that says, you blew it this time, you messed up too much, you've gone too far, you are not good enough, you don't have what it takes, all those words. Anytime you hear that in your head, you immediately say, listen, I'm rejecting garbage. I'm not listening to that anymore. Number two, you're accepting your position as a son or daughter and a co-heir with Christ, saying this is who I am, and now I'm yielding to the Spirit of God, saying it's not my life anymore. I, I gotta tell you this. Whatever life you've got carved out for yourself, God's got a better one. It, it is better to yield to God's plan for your life. It's 10,000 times better. Listen to me. Whatever thing you're mapping out, just say that it, if it's not submitted, yielded. What I mean, yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, meaning God has, again, crafted you for a purpose. Anything you're trying to carve out, it's not in him. God's got something 10,000 times better. If you'll just say yes, trust him in it, and then you walk, listen, in confidence. Walk in confidence obedience as a son or daughter. Just step out in it, all right? This is, that's as close as I can give you to the three-step process. Reject the garbage, say yes to what God is saying, and then you step in confidence. Take a step in confidence. Now, listen, confidence is in confidence. It comes back to what we talked about at the very beginning. Listen, confidence, stepping out in confidence is critical when we fall short because that's when fear rises up. Because uh, fear and fear and confidence are the ones that are at war with each other, right? What's the opposite of fear, right? Stepping out in confidence, I'm believing, faith. The opposite of fear is saying, God, I believe in what you say. And so all these fears that we often uh, walk with, fear of being rejected, fear of unknown days ahead, fear of being unloved, fear of falling short in uh, uh, fear of falling short and disappointing other people, fear of being abused or taken advantage of, fear of being isolated or abandoned, feeling alone, fear of I'm not good enough, all those things that plague us all the time. First John chapter 4, you're in your Bible right there. Look at this, verse 13. First John 4, 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, makes his home in him, and he is in God. All right, so here's the identity piece right there. See it? This is the identity, knowing God, knowing who he is, declaring his power over him. I'm in him, he's in me. Now, verse 16. So we have come to know and believe the love of God that he has for us, right? God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So he's talking about this relationship where we're saying, I'm not letting go of who you are. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have what? Confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world, which is a statement is so far beyond the charts of anything I could possibly imagine for God to say this, listen, you abide in his love. It anchors you to who he is. 
And then you begin to step into this love. It's perfected in us. And as we do this, we begin to walk with what? Confidence, believing God's taken us all the way to the end because, now look at this phrase, as he is, so are we in this world. That's his saying. What Jesus Christ is and has accomplished has been given to you. Now, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loves us. So he says, listen, the perfect love of God casts fear out. Whatever's keeping you or holding you back, God has uh, his love to manifest inside of us and move us forward. It casts out fear. It removes the doubt. It gives confidence for what God has called us into. Uh, we step into it, and God begins to move us forward. So what he's saying is this. Listen, it really won't work if you and I spend time getting to know God you won't be able to walk in fear. This, it's actually what he's saying. So oftentimes people read that and they go, well, for fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So what we tend to think is, well, I've, I've got, I'm fearful. Of, there's some areas of fear in my life, so I, I must not be perfected in love. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is, as you and I abide in God, it won't be possible to walk in fear anymore. That's what he's saying. The person who's regularly fearful is the one who doesn't believe in God. And they're, and they're, they're finding themselves, they've, they've, they've not given their heart over to Jesus. Once you give your heart to Jesus, what he says is this, you can walk right out. And as you know him, walk with him and abide in him, all of a sudden fear goes away. So the very two things, shame and fear, that keep us bound up are removed and destroyed, and we get to step in by confidence Step by faith, step into obedience, step out of what God's asking us to do. Maybe he's asking us to deal with an area of compromise in our lives, or maybe there's a risk in an area that we're supposed to step out just for his namesake and glory. Maybe in our workplace, there's some things that God's been pushing you forward to love on some people uh, and show the love of Jesus in practical ways, and you just gotta, you've been wrestling maybe through it, and the Lord's saying, it's time to step. Maybe there's some broken relationships that God's asking you to deal with. Maybe there's some areas of unforgiveness that you're walking in. Maybe there's some areas where trust has been broken. You're trying to walk through and see God wants to do works of repair. There's all kinds of things out there. Listen, God, any of it and all of it, God can do. God will accomplish. But what we're not meant to do is walk in fear. God wants us to walk in confidence by his Holy Spirit. I'll finish with this scripture and we're done. Hebrews 4. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace and asking for mercy. Do you find yourself, you're going, man, I need grace and I need mercy. Well, one, welcome to the club. Amen. All right. And two, don't walk, run with confidence to the throne of grace. And guess what? God has it for you. God has forgiveness and life 
And if you're finding that you, you don't have peace, God has peace. And if you find yourself, listen, I'm just, I've gotten through a couple of months, or I, I've, I've had some stresses going on. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I've had some stresses. I should, I don't know, this it might freak you out, but there's been, there's been some stress over the last couple of months. I'm just being real. I've had some stress over the last couple of months. Had some stuff sitting on. And woke up, it was like Monday or Tuesday morning, and I like had severe pain in my chest. It was crazy. And um, so, you know, I'm 42 now, so if you get pains in your chest, at some point, you'd be like, am I dying? Like, is there, is this something? What's happening? But it, uh, it was, so I went ahead and went to the ER because I have four kids, and I can't, you know, I can't afford to die right now. I've got to raise my children, and I'm sure my wife would like to keep me around at least for a few more years until they're out of the house. So all I know is I, I, I had pains in my chest, so I went in, and by the grace of God, EKG and, and blood work came good. I'm, I'm good. I'm not dying. All right, we're good. All right, amen. All right, that's good. Thank you for clapping that I'm not dying. All right, listen to this. I said, well, doctor, so if, if it's not, there's not a heart issue th- going on here, what's the issue? And he was like, well, I mean, I was like, is this really like indigestion? <laughs> Am I having indigestion here? I mean, like, do, you, do you have people who have indigestion that come to the emergency room? Am I a wimp? Am I, do I have problems? Like, why am I in here? And he said, listen, uh, it could be indigestion, probably coupled with a lot of things. So if you've had anything like stress or anxiety in your life, that probably could contribute to it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, dang. I'm in the middle of preaching about freedom in Christ, and I got anxiety all up in here. What am I going to do? Because it's one thing to preach it really good. It's an entirely different thing to say, hey, listen, whatever stresses or anxieties or fears that you're carrying, are you really willing to believe that God's got this? Because that's what it means to live as a son or daughter. Do you believe that God's got this? He's going to preserve this. He's going to take you to the end. And I'm just confessing before you as pastor, I want to believe that way. I want to live that way. And I'll probably need to stop eating red meat or whatever, but hey, all right. Less jalapenos, I'll deal with, I'm gonna, I'll deal with the diet thing, but let me tell you, I don't want to live fearful. And I know we're not called to live that way. That's not what sons and daughters do. That's what the scripture's saying. If you've been perfected in love, which you could have been, then let's step in confidence. Father, I ask right now, because there's, there's inevitably there are people all over this room that are dealing with either stress or anxiety or fear. There is all kinds of shame and guilt from past or messes that we find ourselves in, maybe even today. And I'm asking right now, God, would you help us to step into life? Would you help us to remember what you've accomplished? Would you help us to remember that you're faithful even when we're not faithful? that you've perfected us in love, you've made us perfect. Not because of anything that we could ever do, but just because that's who you are, that's how much you love us. Could we step into that love? I pray we'd be a church that would step into that kind of love, that we would believe that you, the truth of your word is bigger than our own words, our own thoughts, the words of the enemy, the words of people coming against your work in us. God, I ask that we would believe the truth more than we believe anything. I pray we'd all walk in it for your name's sake and glory and for our joy and peace. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.